He is Lord today and He is Lord every day. Amen. All right, go ahead and be found in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We read this text a few minutes ago. And all of the worship that, that we've seen and experienced, and, and uh, you can't help but get emotional uh, because of the depth of the message that, uh, that we've seen this morning through song. Now let's look in the scripture and let's see what God says to us. I want to read this text again. This is a text you may have just come out of Sunday school and taught from this text. Uh, but it is still real and God can still teach us through his word today. Matthew 28 verse 6 says, He is not here for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb and with fear and great joy ran to bring his disciples word. In 2015, the week leading up to Easter, Easter in 2015, just two years ago, was on April the 5th. The week leading up to Easter, the most Googled word on the internet, the week leading up to Easter, was church. If you put service after church, church service, the week before Christmas, beat out the week before Easter. But if you're just looking at church, then the most Googled word in 2015 was church. Also in 2015, the major television networks, two of them, ABC and NBC, ran Christian programming during the primetime slot on their Easter Sunday schedule. During that year, Americans spent $17 billion on Easter. More Americans will spend money on candy for Easter than on Halloween. And the average American celebrating Easter is expected to spend $28.11 on candy. Why do you say all of that? I say all of that because whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you know the real meaning of Easter or not, there is something about this day that brings out the curiosity of every single person on the planet. You cannot read any type of social media today, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever you may be on, what platform you may, and it's just filled one line after the other of Bible verses, of testimonies, of graphics, and all these things about Easter and about Jesus Christ and how he rose from the dead. And nearly every single American, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, will hear today what the real meaning of, of Easter is all about. They'll read it. They'll hear it. They'll see it. Some way, they'll understand what the real meaning of Easter is all about. I want to take you to a very familiar text. You've heard sermons on this text. You have studied this text. You have taught this text but it is still real and valuable for us today as these women, as you look at all the, the whole context of the resurrection from all four Gospels. 
and how these two ladies came to the tomb. And they had come to the tomb to anoint the body. The Sabbath had ended and this was first daylight on Sunday morning, on that, that early Sunday morning. Not prepared to see what they saw. And the scripture says, if you go back down in verse number 5, the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are seeking Jesus. You seek Jesus who was crucified. And then the angel said, He's not here. He is risen. And there's two things. There's two words in verse 6, 7, and 8. Two imperatives. As these women come to the tomb, the angel commands them to do two things. Number one, to come and see. The see is the imperative. And then the second one is to go. So you can't go and tell people about Jesus until you have first in your heart come to the empty tomb to see what the empty tomb is all about. So the first point this morning that I want us to see is to see the empty tomb. The scripture says in verse 6, he's not here, he is risen, as he said, come and see, that's the imperative, see the place where the Lord lay. Now, was the angel's word not good enough? Why couldn't the angel stop the women who were, had spices in their hands, stop them and say, hey, he's not there anymore. You're coming to see Jesus. He has risen from the dead. Now go and share the gospel. But that's not what the angel said. The angel told the women, come and see the empty tomb where Jesus lay. And I believe the reason why the angel told the, these ladies, these women, to come and to look at this cave a borrowed tomb, which was just a, 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 a solid piece of a structure, a hole in the side of a mountain. The stone had been rolled away to come in and to look at an empty grave with the exception of some cloths there on the side was for a couple of reasons. Number one for these ladies was to confront that which was impossible. Jesus had told them, on the third day I will rise again. And just like every other human who had ever lived, that's impossible. Now, Lazarus has risen from the death through the power of Jesus. Jairus' daughter was brought back from the grave through the power of Jesus. But when Jesus is in the grave, it is impossible for someone who is dead to rise again. And the angel told these women to come to the tomb, and I want you to see something, and I want you to confront that which is impossible. And the reason why it is so much for us today to see the empty tomb in our hearts by faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, is to confront that which is impossible. No matter how much you desire, you cannot save yourself. It is a work of the Holy Spirit of God. It is a work where he convicts the heart and you confront that which is impossible, which is salvation. We are saved by what? Faith. Through the grace of God. Not of our works, lest we should boast. We are saved by grace. So we confront that which is impossible. And the angel told the ladies, hey, come. I I'm going to point to this section all day long. That's where the tomb is at, okay? Some of y'all are saying, why does he keep looking at the baptistry? Is there something in that baptistry? That's where our imaginary tomb is going to be today, okay? Just... So he's looking at the tomb that the ladies are to confront 
that which was impossible. But the second thing I think the ladies are, are, are looking at, not only to confront that which is impossible, but I believe the, the angel told the ladies to come and to look at the tomb to confirm what's in there. To confirm the identity of the tomb and, and there's nothing in there. So the angel is sitting on top of the stone. Come, and I want you to see, command, you come here and look inside this tomb. You know that no man on earth could have rolled the stone away. Thousands of pounds. Look in here. Look all around the cracks and crevices. Jesus is not hiding. He's not behind the tomb. Come in here, and I want you to confirm that Jesus is not here. Now, there are people around that are saying the body had been stolen and other things, but I want you to come and see he's not here to identify that Jesus has rose from the dead. The first thing you have to do in your heart is to confirm, is to confront that which is impossible, that you need salvation, that you can't save yourself, and then to confirm that Jesus died and he rose again for you. Well, I love to tell the gospel to someone who, who, who doesn't understand everything about Jesus or, or, or maybe they've never even heard the gospel. Their comments are like, you mean Jesus died for me? You mean he stretched out his hands and took the spear in his side and the nails on his hands and he, he did all that for me? Absolutely. And for you to be a follower of Christ and a believer, you have to confirm that, that Jesus has died we learned a couple of weeks ago in 2 Corinthians that he became our sin so that we can be called the righteousness of God to confirm the identity. First, Paul, Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Bruce Larson said this, the events of Easter cannot be reduced to a creed or philosophy. We're not asked to believe in a doctrine of the resurrection, although we believe that. We're not asked to meet this person raised from the dead. In faith, we move from belief in a doctrine to a knowledge of a person. Ultimate truth is a person. We meet Jesus. He is alive. And we confirm that he died. And that he rose again. Ladies, I want you to come and see. I want you to confront that which was impossible. But I want you to confirm that that tomb is empty. If you go to the empty tomb in your heart to confirm that Jesus had died and rose again, you will be changed. Nobody can look at an empty tomb and not be changed. And that's what this angel is telling these ladies to do. But there's a third thing I believe he's telling them. As you go back in the scripture, come and see the place where the Lord lay. Why look at the tomb? Because the tomb invites us to do something. There was nothing special about the tomb. It was, it was uh, owned by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. He's there when Jesus is being crucified. He offers the tomb that has, nobody's ever been laid in. It was borrowed. It was in the side of a cave. And Jesus is placed inside that tomb and he is raised from the dead and the, the, the ladies come to the tomb and the angel says, come and I want you to see where they laid him. He's not here. He, he is risen. He invites us to understand the purpose of the empty tomb.
Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. Do you know that he rose from the dead? Absolutely. But when your heart goes to the empty tomb, he invites you into a personal relationship with him. I've said this as we're walking through our Wednesday night studies of demons and Satan. Some of those things we've been talking about, even they believe in Jesus. Yet their life is not changed. And for all of you, and for many of you, because of, uh, of living in the Bible Belt, and you're, you're consumed with, with, with Christianity and, and religiosity, you would say in your heart right now, yes, I believe in Jesus. But has the tomb changed you? Because you can believe in something and never be changed. But the tomb invites you to claim an invitation and for these women as they go to the tomb and they are invited to come and to see you have confronted that which was impossible you had confirmed that the tomb is empty now I want you to claim the invitation that Jesus died for the sins of the world and that he rose again on that third day to claim that have you made that decision I know you believe in Jesus and I know you worship him with all of your heart. But have you accepted him as your personal savior? Have you turned from your sins? Have you laid your sins at the cross and accepted Jesus being risen from the dead? He can forgive you of your sins. He can change your life today. That's when the angel said, I want you to come. And I want you to see. That may be you today. As the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, he's saying, come, I want you to see. I want you to see with your eyes of faith because we walk by faith and not by sight. I want you to see with your eyes of faith that Jesus Christ can change your life. Now what happens? What happened to the ladies who went to the tomb? What happened when the ladies went and found Peter and John and they went to the tomb? What happened to every single person who saw the empty tomb? That's the second command. The first one, see the empty tomb. The second one, share the eternal truth. Share the truth of what you have seen. The Bible says in verse 7, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy. And they ran to bring the disciples' word. Number two is to share the eternal truth if you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you've been to the tomb, you've been changed, you've been born again. Now the challenge and the command, just as important as the command to give your life to Christ, the second command is to go. It's to go and to share the truth. And there's some, there's some adverbs in here that help us understand how we are to go. Verse 7 says, and go quickly. The message is immediate. It is immediate. The angel did not say, now, I want you to check this out. Let's have some lunch. Let's have some bread. Have some fish. And when you get ready, go home. Get your thoughts together. Write in your journal. Do all those different things. And when then you have time, I want you to share what you've seen here. That's not what the angel said. 
The angel said, and I want you to go. And I want you to go quickly. Go quickly, number one, because there was false teaching all around. And I want you to go and share the truth of the Word of God. Things haven't changed, have they? Number two, I want you to go because what you have needs to be shared. You just looked at the tomb of a person who was there some three days ago. And he's not there anymore. That's some good news. That's news that we need to tell. That's news that we want to tell. That our message, it is immediate. But then the second one is this. He says, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. The message is intentional. Our message that we share. I love church. Boy, I love, I love First Baptist Church. We've been here 18 months now. 18 months Andy's been here 18 years. I mean, that's just, that's just the way things work out. But we love First Baptist Church. We love to worship. We love to praise the name of Jesus. But don't ever let church take the place of Jesus. Just because you invite someone to church doesn't mean that they'll give their life to Christ. Now, I hope and pray that you do invite them because when they come to this house, they'll hear the word of God through song and they'll hear the word of God preached. But don't let that ever take the place of you sharing your faith that Jesus has died and he rose again on that third day. That message, it is not only immediate, it is intentional. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. The message that we share will either cause people to love us or cause people to hate us. But it's the truth of the word of God. That Jesus Christ has died and he has risen again. Our message is intentional. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the exclusive way to heaven. No one else can come to the Father but through Jesus. Of all the other religions that are out there, our message is intentional. If you don't go through Jesus, you will not go to heaven. It's only through Jesus. He's the only one who's died and rose again victorious. Our message unashamedly is that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Not that his body has been stolen or moved to another place, but that Jesus rose from the dead. Our message is intentional. But number three, the Bible says down in verse 8, So they went out quickly from the tomb, and with fear and with great joy, they ran to bring the disciples' word. The word fear there has a tendency to say they were a little bit scared. If you just looked at an empty tomb and nobody was there, you'd be a little scared too, wouldn't you? You'd be a little bit fearful. But not in a scared that you're trembling, but like, can you believe just what happened? With fear, and then the two words I want you to focus on as we close is great joy. The word great is the word important. Joy is a reason for gladness. So number three, our message is immediate. It is intentional. But it's also important. Great joy. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 1 1-4, John wrote this as an old man. He also went to the tomb. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life 
manifested. We have seen and we bear witness and we declare to you that eternal life which the Father was made known to us through Jesus, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father, with the Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write to you that your joy may be full. You know why the message of Jesus is so important? It's because you will not find any joy outside a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our world is hurting for joy. It's hurting for joy that is above circumstances, above things, above uh, uh, twists and turns. They are searching for divine joy, something that will last in the midst of temporal things. That joy is Jesus. That's why the message of the cross is so important. So imagine in your heart this angel sitting on the stone that had been rolled away the person you've come is Jesus he's not here he has risen come and I want you to see where they have laid him and the reason why I want you to come is because I want you to confront that which was impossible I want you to confirm that Jesus is not there and I want you to claim that invitation that, that, that Jesus has come to save us from our sins and He overcame sin by being raised from the dead. And if that truth is yours, then I want you to go and I want you to share the good news. It has to be immediate. People are dying every second and going to hell. It has to be immediate. It has to be intentional. We're not about any kind of gimmicks. We're about Jesus Christ has died and he rose from the dead. Do you know him? Do you know him? It's intentional. And then the third one is it is important because it will bring great joy. That your joy may be full. That's what it means to come and go. Peter Larson said this, despite our efforts to try to keep God out God always intrudes. A truth that I heard some 15 years ago, and I'm reminded of this every single Easter and every Christmas, is that Jesus came in this world by an impossibility. He was born of a virgin. And Jesus exited this world to go back at the right hand of the Father by an impossibility, being risen from the dead. Jesus, he's the Son of God. Not just one impossibility, but two. But you know, really, there's three. Because the other impossibility is your salvation. But that's why Jesus went down the cross. To make it available for you. And today, through the Holy Spirit, He is speaking to your heart. He is convicting you of your sins. And he is saying to you, as the angel told the lady, come. Look for yourself. Come and see. And I want you to claim the invitation that the empty tomb speaks that Jesus is not here. He's risen from the dead. And he's come to change your life if you will respond to him. I'm going to ask if you would just to bow your heads all across this room as we... Uh, our time is... is is about to close but this is the most important part of all of our service this is the part that we prepare for this is the part that we pray for it's a part where we give the church all those who hear an opportunity to respond 
You may be here and you don't have that relationship with Christ and you've heard those three simple verses that we've read. How to come and to cease. So if you're not here this morning, you don't have that relationship with Christ, do you believe that you are a sinner? Do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? And do you believe that he will save your life if you ask him today? If you can answer yes to all of those, would you right now open up your heart to God and say, Lord, I know today that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again on that third day. Lord, I confess my sins to you and I ask you to come into my life. Save me today. I challenge you this morning, if you just prayed and you just asked Jesus Christ to come and to save you, this is what I want you to do. And this is going to be bold and this will be big. But just like going to the empty tomb to go and to quickly tell what you've seen and heard, I'm going to ask if you would to come in just a moment when we stand, not right now, but in just a moment, I'm going to ask if you would to come. I'm going to be down here in the front. I want you to come and just say, Brother John, I, I heard the gospel and I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to save me. I want to rejoice with you. Our church wants to rejoice with you. You may be a member somewhere else or you may be uh, from out of town. But you're here today. Don't delay and don't wait. We'll work, all, work out all that details later on. What am I asking if you would to come? You may have other decisions. You may be a, 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 a believer and you want to call this your church home. If you feel God is leading you to do that, then I want you to be obedient to that. However, God may lead you this morning. Father, we love you. And God, I pray all across this room, from those here on the floor to those in our balcony, God, that we would be obedient to you today and we would respond to you. That we would take what we've heard and put it to action. God, there are those here this morning who have prayed and they've become believers. They've become followers of Jesus. Would you give them the courage to step out and to simply come? We love you. In Jesus' name. What I want you to do, I want you just to stand. And I want you just to pray. Our ladies are going to play softly. The reason why I want you to pray is because everything may be good in your life. I want you to pray for the person beside you, in front of you, behind you. They may have been the one who needs to make a decision today. But as you pray, this is your chance just to step out and just to come. Would you come? As our ladies play, you come.